Colossians 2. We are going to go through a chunk of Colossians today. We have been breaking up Colossians into little bits and um, pieces. Is my mic going in and out? Okay, I will trust all of you. Um, I feel like it's going in and out, and it just could be, it just could be me, and it's probably me. Uh, my wife's laughing over here. She's like, it's just you. So, uh, but we're going through a, a bigger section today because of how that section fits together and the way that it flows. And so today, we're going to talk about freedom. We're going to talk about uh, deliverance. And we see this portion of Paul's letter to the church in Colossia that it's, it's his invitation to find freedom freedom. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this day, for the time together. I ask that you would just let your spirit impact our hearts and our lives. I pray that not a single soul would walk away from this place the same way that we, that they, well, we walked in. We want to be changed by your spirit, and we want your help, your guidance to give us freedom and deliverance. And so, Lord, in my own flesh, I pray as the lion of the tribe of Judah that you would empower your team and my team, the Detroit Lions, to do mighty things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <sighs> Beat those pagan Vikings. Absolutely. What does freedom look like for you? I grew up in a, and you've heard me talk about before, I grew up in a very, very, very conservative house. Uh, my wife grew up in a very conservative house, and I think hers was more conservative than mine to the point where I, I have literally spread rumors that she was Amish. And so much that we hear people, we hear people saying, did you know that Anne was Amish? And then she's just shaking her head. She's like, what have you done? I'm like, I gossip in a fun way. And so... Uh, but I grew up in a conservative house, and there's certain things that we couldn't listen to or watch. Um, you know, like we couldn't listen to anything that was what, what was called secular music. And I remember arguing with my dad. I'm like, isn't Jingle Bells a secular song, Dad? And he's like, just do as I say. So one of the other things that we couldn't do was go to the movies. And so I had an aunt that is a good aunt, and she snuck me off to see those great Christian flicks. Like I remember as a little guy, she, she snuck me off to see, perhaps, I feel is the greatest Star Wars movie of all time, which is, nobody said anything, because you've never seen Star Wars. Okay, I'm the only one in the house. My, my bad. Empire Strikes Back. Oh, listen, like nobody wanted to say it, because nobody, people are thinking I'm going to disagree. Uh, no, no, Empire Strikes Back. It's the best Star Wars movie. It's my favorite one. And so as a little guy, she stuck me off to that. And obviously when Return of the Jedi came out, um, I was in Montreal with my family. My parents hadn't shown up yet, so Aunt Robin snuck me off to see that. And so I remember just, uh, just a few little times I got to sneak off, and Mom and Dad never knew um, until later when I confessed. It's an amazing as an adult how you start confessing things you thought your parents really knew. Yeah, I, still, I get grounded. I'm, I'm 47, and my mom will hear things. She's like, you're grounded, and I don't know what that means, but she still grounds me. But I remember being 18 years old and talking to my dad. I'm like, Dad, I'm an adult. I'm a full-grown man now at 18. And so, <laughs> so funny. Uh, I just, and I talk about adolescence. It was like up to like 26 a few weeks ago. And I'm like, Dad, can't I just like, make the decision. You, I basically rent all of the movies, and you know the movies I rent, and, but I can't go to the movie theater. And so we had an argument, and he's like, you know what, you're 18. Go see whatever. I trust you. Now, he didn't talk to mom about that. That was a whole different issue later. But as soon as he said yes, I got on the phone, 
and I immediately called my friend Jay. I said, my dad said yes. He says, get in the car, meet me over in Rochester, and we went to see Jurassic Park in the theaters. We're not one, not two, not Jurassic Park again, and all the other things. We're talking about the OG movie, and I'm telling you what, when you're in the theater and you... And you've never seen Jurassic Park, but you're in the theater. Then all of a sudden, that Jeep pulls up, and the guy starts pulling off his sunglasses. He looks up, and you see that brontosaurus reaching up and trying to get the leaves from the tallest trees. It will make you weep like you've never wept before. Like the end of Rocky II, it will make you cry like you've never cried. And yes, every time I watch Rocky II, which is the best Rocky, by the way, every time I watch it, I do cry at Yo, Adrian. I did it. It'll get me. It real, literally just get me. I can compose myself here. This is weird. But Jurassic Park, there's just something about freedom. And I get home and I'm all excited. And my mom looks at me and she goes, you went to the show, didn't you? I'm like, that's what she called it. I'm like, but dad said, she goes, I know what your dad said. He didn't talk to me. I'm like, that ain't my problem. I got in trouble for that too. But freedom, we talk a lot about freedom. And when we get to this portion of Scripture, Paul begins to get, to get into the issue of freedom. Now it says here in 2 Corinthians, see me, 2 Corinthians. I keep saying Corinthians on Sundays. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Now we're going to stop right there because there were numbers of errors, a couple errors I should say, that the community that the culture of that day was offering to people. If you want freedom, there was one side of the culture that was identifying the, the idea of legalism. That if you obey our rules and you worship what we tell you to worship and in terms of how to worship, and you honor the things that you ought to honor, that's where you find freedom, which is why we see here that no one passed judgment on food or drink. What did that mean? Because a lot of the Jewish community had kosher ideas of what is clean and what is not clean. Aren't you thankful for the cross and the resurrection and that all of a sudden the laws that used to control us no longer control us, so now that we can live free, sanctified by the blood of Jesus, and we can eat bacon at the same time? Amen. Biggest amen I've gotten in months was on Bacon. But here, there were Jews in this area that, said, that wanted to control them with food, drink, or with regards to festivals or new moon or Sabbath. And what, he's, what they're talking about is control, not just food, but regulations. Here's when you can worship. Here's how you have to worship. And you've got to honor the new moon. You've got to honor the Sabbath. You've got to do all of these things. And, and Paul says, these are shadows of things to come, but the substance really belongs to Jesus. And then he identifies a second group offering freedom where he says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going into detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from which the whole body is nourished, knit together through its joints, ligaments, and grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of this world, then why... Uh, why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teachings, these indeed have the appearance, appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and 
asceticism and severity to the body, they have no value to the stopping of the indulgence of the flesh. What he is talking about in this next group, so the first group is like there are Jews that are trying to shape Christianity to look like old school Judaism. Judaism. Then there's this second group, this Gnostic group, this cultic group, is trying to create reg- regulations on, on not just who is going to wor- you're going to worship, you're going to worship other things. You're going to invite other things in that are not of God. And these things have to do with worshiping the elemental parts of this world. You're worshiping the sun, you're worshiping the moon, you're worshiping the weather, you're worshiping the sky. Uh, you're worshiping things that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And he says this, he says, give no room for these things because they have the appearance, verse 23, of wisdom in promoting in self-made religion, and it says in asceticism, and he says this, but they are of no value, no value, verse 23, in the stopping the indulgence of the flesh. In other words, the rules that one side's given you and the rules that the other side has given you will not give you freedom. Sometimes we think the appearance of rules is freedom. And I think sometimes in Christianity, we can get lost in rules. We want rules. I've, I've had people for years say, okay, when it comes to people that are new in Christ, what are you telling them to do and what are you telling them not to do? As if rules are the way that we save and we redeem and we sanctify people. You know what the word sanctified means? It means becoming more and more like Jesus. And we think the presence of more rules will bring more freedom, but I'm here to say that rules have never amounted to freedom. Freedom is not found in rules, it's found in Jesus Christ. And we live in America because America is known as the land of the, and the home of the, you've heard that song before. We, are, we have seen our country and we think it's the land of freedom and people, people look at America and they call it the land of freedom. But what's troubling is not just to hear those words, but to see that for those of us that live inside of it, I would venture to say that very few of us actually live completely free. We have a country that is enslaved by corrupt systems. In fact, we live in a country for which, I don't know if you know this about Kalamazoo, because Kalamazoo is halfway between Detroit and Chicago. The Kalamazoo is actually really known as a drop-off point and a pickup point for human trafficking. That is an estimated 403,000 people living currently in the conditions of modern slavery in America. That is about a tenth of our population of people that are being sold into actual sex slavery. And we say we're the land of the free. We have, a prox- we have people who are in addictions in various forms for which people that can't say no to the next fix. 3% of our nation has a drug problem. That amounts to 9,972,109 people. We have 10.6% uh, of, our, of our country addicted to alcohol, 12% addicted to tobacco. Here, let's, let's hit everybody between the eyes here. 75% are addicted to the overconsumption of sugar. 25% are overconsumed with, con- with caffeine and coffee. Like Jay over here, apparently. And yet many of these people would say, I'm free. I mean, we can cover benign addictions, like I'm talking about the 200 million Americans who eat excess amounts of sugar. Uh, 68 million Americans drink three cups of coffee a day. 30 million of them have more than five cups a day. People 
in, these, in this day and age struggle to control their bodies. Anxiety affects 18% of our population. Mental health issues, 19%. 9.7% of youth struggle with depression. And I've had people say, well, it's because of this and it's because of that. Because we never had this issue before. I would, I would argue that we've always had these issues. We just didn't have social media to spread the news about it. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in all Americans. It is the third leading cause of death for Americans aged 10 to 14. It is the second leading cause of death for Americans from the age 15 to 34, and we live in the land of the free. We live in the land of free when, when almost 10% of Americans in, in this world have a gambling problem. The average American has $91,000 worth of debt. And we're not free from our credit cards. And it's not just credit cards, but we're not free from the way that we spend and we consume. And if we wonder where our money is going, then let me point you toward an industry that we don't talk about enough in the church, and it's the pornography industry. The sex-related entertainment industry takes in just under $13 billion a year that there are 28,285 users that are watching porn every single second. $3,075.64 being spent on porn every single second. And, if you, and I've had people argue with me, but porn is not harmful as long as a couple agrees to it. But I would argue this, amongst other things, that 88% of pornography shows physical aggression. 49% are acts of verbal aggression. 46 to 74% of men in our country are addicted to it. And 16 to 41% of women are active pornography, uh, pornography users in our nation. And 9% of them will admit that we can't stop using it. And the question is this. Is, this, is it sexual freedom or is it sexual liberation? I would argue it's a simple sexual addiction. And then you ask the question, what about those who are making it? Are they free? Is this their choice? Or I would argue they are trapped into exploitation because of the money that's being thrown at them. And I would say this of pornography, that I think pornography is the most accepted form of human trafficking the world has ever seen. We're t they're trapped in a system. Let's hit the biggest addiction hitting America. 68% of America is addicted to social media. The average American adult spends two hours a day. The average teenager spends nine hours a day on social media. We have excessive use of it to the point where it has led to moments of depression, anxiety, and narcissism. We utilize social media to brand ourselves because we want to present a perfect image so that we can find somebody else's validation because you may say, well, we're just trying to find out somebody else's thing. We just were addicted to someone else's story. But most of us, that we were addicted to putting out a picture so that we can get hit one more time with a like and one more time with validation. We use it to put out ourselves and we use the same instrument to troll other people. We engage in heated arguments and we bully people from the privacy of our own homes as cowards behind our keyboards. It's like, well, this isn't the happy Christmas series. I thought it was going to be. But when I look at these stats, I realize that there's a good chance that every single one of us in this room are somehow represented here. Whether we're talking addictions we brought up and we, we could talk about coffee, we could talk about sugar, we could talk about this, we could talk about that. Some of us are just simply addicted to gossiping. Some of us are addicted to judging people. We can go into what our addictions are. But we have to ask two questions, and the two questions are this. Number one, what does it mean to be free? And number two, is anybody actually free? 
In our culture, freedom is the ability to express yourself by doing what you feel is true to yourself. That I do not understand. That you are, freedom is the ability to express yourself by doing what you feel is true to yourself. And people will celebrate that choice unless your choice to express yourself actually affects them and then you get canceled. And that idea and that mindset, it's hollow, it's deceptive, and it's disappointing. And we are becoming increasingly enslaved to the practices in our life that promise us freedom. Increasingly enslaved. And look what here. Paul is talking to a community, and he says, you are being enslaved by these two factions that are coming in. One faction that wants to control and regulate how you follow God. The other faction is trying to give you more freedom and more deliverance and more opportunities to worship other gods. And they are both enslaving. And this is what he says in verse 1 of chapter 3. Then if you have been raised in Christ, seek the things that are above. Let me just stop there. Because this begs the question, are you in Christ? This begs the question, you want freedom, I'm here to say, there is no freedom outside of Jesus. There isn't. Jesus is the most liberating entity, period. There's no one that can give freedom like Jesus. There's nobody that can give deliverance like Jesus is. Any other freedom outside of Christ always has strings attached for which it will take you down, leave you wanting more. Because any road outside the road that leads to Christ will lead you to a place where in a moment you will feel like freedom and in the long run you will feel enslaved. Freedom is found in Jesus. And so he says, you've been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above which Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We're going to pause right there. Because I want to give you a, a bit of an illustration. I did an art project this week. Thank you for my little clap for my art project. Some of you are like, that's a terrible one. Like, my kids could do better. That's fine. This is... What I want to illustrate is what it means to go from death to life. Some of y'all have been staring at this. You didn't listen to video announcements one bit because you've been trying to figure out what this is. This is what it means to go from death to life. All right. There's a graphic that we want to put up because it's going to help explain the circles. So the outside circle, this is what I would call our physical self. This is the outside. We've got the body is the physical self. The next layer is our, is our soul, our emotional self. And I just realized my, my red paint is still wet. Thank you, Jesus, for humbling moments. The smaller part is our spirit, our eternal self. We are body, soul, spirit. Our body, physical self, our soul, our emotional self, and then we've got our spirit, which is our eternal self. And so what we have is this is us before Jesus. Because what happens is most of the time, this is where we live is on the outside. We want to crave that which the physical craves, and then we got the emotional part of us that's trying to identify what we're feeling, what we're supposed to be. But what happens is it's drawing out of a space in the middle that is dead, because outside of Christ, we are dead in our sins. We are dead in our sins. That we were spiritually dead, but... But because God so loved us, he sent his son to die for us. We sing about the blood. I think, Emily, you could not pick the better songs today. The blood that saved us, the blood that redeemed us, so that when we put our faith in Jesus, that what, is, what was dead has now come alive. 
And now we no longer live from a dead place where we're trying to figure this out because of what is at the center of our lives. But here, now we've been made alive. And what's been made alive now begins to radiate, radiate out this way because now that we're in Christ, it begins to affect the way we see and we feel about life, which affects the way that we, that we experience life. And that's the way that God has designed it. But there's a problem. And the problem is, is that we have been... We get raised, and yet we still try to live in this manner. Now, I want to read the scripture here. The scripture says this in verse 2 of chapter 3. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear in glory. You are raised, he says. You're no longer here. If you were raised, you put Christ in your life, he's like, listen, don't live this way. Start to live free. Because where sin had you, it was at the center of your life, and you were living out of that. He's like, listen, if you're in Christ, stop living that way. Stop following the things that used to bind you. Stop following the things that used to define you. This is now what defines you. And you don't have to do life on your own because when you, this is not just forgiveness. This is the place, the center of our life, where the Spirit of God lives now. So not only do you not just get to be free, you've got somebody helping you to live free. You don't do this thing on your own any longer. Here, we're doing life on our own. We're making decisions. And no wonder why we get enslaved by so many things. But when you invite Jesus into your life, you give him the trust of your life into his hands. You not just have the spirit of God that lives there. He's there to help you and to guide you and to push you forward. I wrote it this way. True freedom is not based upon the state of our feelings, but the state of our faith. Pastor, I don't feel saved. I will admit, after most Lions games, I don't feel saved either. I don't always feel saved in Christmas traffic on Westnage. Aren't you thankful that your salvation is not based upon your feelings? Because there are some days I have struggles. Some days my depression wants to set in. There are some days that old addictions, old slavery wants to come knocking on my door. And there are moments that I don't feel saved. But I'm so thankful that my salvation is not based upon how I feel. It is a state of my faith that I may have just a mustard seed sized level of faith. But it's in Jesus. And because it's in Jesus, I can now live free. Knowing that whatever temptations come my way, I can look at them and say, I don't have to. I don't have to do that. But that's how you, who you used to were. There's the key. That's who I used to be. I am now free because I don't draw from a dead spot. I draw from life. I draw from life. We're living out of our, our new selves. I want to read you a scripture. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Paradigm shifting scripture. Simply says, Jesus told his disciples, if you would come after me, let him, what's that word? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Well, God just wants me to be my true self. Yes and no. Well, I just got to be me and God just wants me to be me. Yes and no. The problem is, is so, we want to be whatever the culture has empowered us to be and we want God to stamp it and say, that's good. That's what we call progressive Christianity, and I'm just here to say that's a false sense of what Christianity really is. Jesus did not come to make you a, a better version of what you 
have been. It came to give you a new sense of self. Because what we see, the scripture says, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. See, the culture wants to not just inform you of who you are, they want to transform you into what they want you to be. And so when the scripture says, let him take up his cross, deny himself, Jesus, Jesus doesn't want you to say no to your true self. He wants you to say no to your false sense of self. He wants you to say no to the false sense of what your physical body says you are and what your emotional body says you are. And he wants to say yes to your true self. And who's your true self? Who Christ says you are. This is getting back to the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. When man and woman, they walked together with God and they had community and they had relationship. He wants, that's what our true self was supposed to be. When we're in worship and we're experiencing the presence of God. Man, and you're like, man, what is this feeling? That's your true self. Your true self is not what your emotions say. Your true self is not what your body says. Your true self is what has been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. That's your true self. And so Jesus says, I want you to deny the false sense of self. So you can say yes to the true sense of who you are. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 tells us that we are not to be a slave any longer. Scripture says for freedom. Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. What he's saying is like for freedom Christ has set us free. So stand firm in this and don't go back to this. Or this type of thinking. Well, because we were dead, we were forced to create everything out of our physical and our emotional self. Like, don't go back to that. Get back, get into the new way of living. You're no longer a slave. Stand firm. But that's hard, isn't it? Maybe I'm the only one in the room. It's, it's hard to stand firm. Neuroscience will tell us that over time, the more habits we do, the more we build up neural pathways in our brains that make it harder for us to quit habits and to stop doing the things that we do. And that's, and it's, and you can try to go this route and try to physically and emotionally will your way through it. And there's some things that some of you are much stronger than me and you're able to will your things through stuff and you're able to feel your way through things. But we were never meant to battle our life with this. We've got the Spirit of God. I've got the Spirit. Yes, I do. I've got the Spirit. How about I did? I literally just said that out loud. <laughs> yes, please judge me. I need that. But we're in the place where we no longer have to feel our way and work our way because it's impossible with sin. We need to be saved from it, we need to be delivered from it. And in Christ, you are free to say no to what is evil, and you're free to say yes to what is good. I know that's such a, a very simple, simple statement, but it's actually very, very deep, because here, you're not free to say anything no, because there's always going to be a problem at the center of your life that's going to draw you back. But here, there's freedom to say yes to that, and no to that. Now, are you going to have to say yes and no quite often? Absolutely. Because some of us think that we give our lives to Christ and you said no to sin once. Like you used to be, let's pick on one that we talked about. You got caught up in porn for years of your life and you said no to it once. And, and you're thinking, Pastor Dave, why do I still have the temptation? I'm like, because you're still human. And, and just because we said, Lord, free us. And, and once in a while, God immediately just frees us clean right there. 
Why does that, God does that for some? Why God didn't do that for me? That's in my Deuteronomy 29 file right now. I don't always understand. But many times, the reason why God takes us through the process is because he's trying to produce something within us. And if we will submit ourselves to the process, God will produce something in us that could not have been done with just the immediate. And so Christ followers, my word to you today is we've got to stop living out of our old selves and start living out of our new selves. He says here, verse 5, Paul says, put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, um, covetousness, which is idolatry. Now that word passion here in the Greek language means, it means uncontrolled, um, illegitimate desires. Some of you are like, I'm really passionate for my, for my wife, I'm passionate for my husband, would you pray that God would deliver me? No, that's, that's not what the scripture is saying. The passion is more about illegitimate, non-godly desires. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these two, you once walked and you were living in them. Colossians, you were living in them. He says, but now you must put them all away. That word all away in the original language means you must set it aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander on social media, and obscene talk on your social media, and coming from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek nor Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and is in all. What Paul is not doing is Paul, Paul's not giving you a checklist to work off today. You know what? I don't get angry, I don't get wrathful, I don't get malice, I don't get slander, and there's no obscene talk. I'm good. This message was for somebody else today. Paul's not giving an exhaustive list. He's, trying to, he's talking about what was happening there in Colossia. This is the stuff happening in the church. If you ever heard of church problems, read the Pauling letters, you'll realize they were all a mess. Just like all of us. And so he said, this is what it looks like in Colossia. And he tells them, you're not there yet, so you have to do exactly what verse 12 says, put on Christ. To put on Christ. That means that we have to choose on a daily basis, we have to choose the way of freedom. Because I'll be honest, we don't always choose freedom. Sometimes we choose the things that enslave us, even as Christ followers. There are times that we're living like this, that automatically, instead of living from this place and letting it guide this, we start living from this, and we want it to guide that way. I live on what my body wants and what my emotions tell me, and I want to order that way. And that, my friends, is not putting on the new self. Here's your new self, and we live out this way, which is why he says in verse 12, put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ, excuse me, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. In all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks for God our Father. We set it aside. And we get to put it on. 
And then we wake up tomorrow, and guess what we do? We set it aside, and we start putting it on. And then guess what we do on Tuesday? We set aside, and we start putting it on. Because this idea of us, we, we trust in Jesus, we don't have the struggles, has just ruined a lot of people's theology. Because I get people that meet with me, what's wrong with me, Pastor Dave? What's wrong with me? Why do I still crave things? Why do I still want to do things? And my response is, it's because you're still human. You still deal with emotions and you still deal with the flesh. But guess what? You've got over here help that is with you. You've got help. Help isn't on the way. Help is here. But the problem is, is we're so busy battling it up here and up here. And is it a battle? You better believe it. But we've also got a gift of the Spirit of God that's with us in here, in here. Even Paul knew about this. Romans, I need my, my, my keyboard if she'd come up. Romans chapter 7. It'll help me close. It'll help me shut up here. Romans 7, for I do not understand my own actions. This is Paul, the same one that wrote Colossians. He writes this. I do not understand my own actions. Welcome to the club, Paul. For I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I don't want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. What's he talking about? He's talking about this portion. This is what we don't trust in. Our physical body, physical self, and the emotional self. That's not what we trust in. Are they important? I think they're really important. I think they're really wonderful. I, I don't know about you. I like to feel good physically. Me and Jay. Jay and I like to feel well. Emotionally, I like to feel good emotionally. Anybody like to feel good emotionally? Oh, my Lord. I feel like I'm in an Episcopal church. It's so quiet here. He says, nothing good dwells. What he's saying is, it's not that these are, are just crappy things. He's just like, listen, this is not the source of good. It's the Spirit of God. God is the source of good. For I have the desire to do what's right, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. I, aren't you so glad that somebody else struggles beside yourself? <laughs> Even the Apostle Paul, the pastor of pastors, the missionary of missionaries. I mean, this guy is, he's the man. And he even says, listen, when it comes to trusting in my flesh and trusting in my, my emotions, I don't have the ability, for I do not do the good I want. But the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now, if I do not want, I do, if I do, can you go back? Because I totally messed up the ending. Now, if I do what I do, not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and in my inner being, but I see my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, Myself, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. I've got the struggles, he says, but thanks be to God. He doesn't leave me. 
It doesn't make me to get my physical act together because he would still be waiting. He doesn't wait for my emotional act to get together because he would still be looking at his watch waiting. He comes in as Savior, as Lord, and he gives me the ability to live it out. And what does he tell the Colossians? What does it look like? It's like here. It's going to look like compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. What does that mean? It means putting up with the people around you. Walking in perfect harmony. Letting God's peace rule your hearts rather than letting CNN or Fox News rule your hearts. Wish I got an amen to that. Being thankful. Some of y'all need to be thankful. You want to be free? Start being thankful. And letting the word of Christ, the words of Christ, what Christ spoke, rule in your hearts. Some of you have been letting the words of your friends, your neighbors, people in your life rule your heart. Let the word get in you. And let it rule everything. You want freedom? Freedom can't be found apart from Jesus. It's not possible. So Paul gives this massive chunk of his letter to give the Colossians an invitation to enjoy some freedom. Not freedom according to what the traditional Jews were offering because they they weren't offering freedom, they were offering rules. The Gnostics were offering pagan moments. Just look to the stars, find your astrological sign, uh, go to tarot cards, do this, do that. There's other ways to connect to God. And Paul's like, listen, let me just clear the table. There's nothing in this world that can cure this condition. Nothing of this world that can cure the hopelessness of the heart. Because apart from this, without this being solved, we are going to be a slave to whatever. To whatever we feel and whatever we want. We will end up getting it and we'll just become a slave to it over and over and over and over and over again. And we spend our lives serving what we have been a slave to. And he says, but if you put on Christ, it does such a redemption that you no longer have to go with what this requires, but you go with what this desires. And when you live out of that place, ladies and gentlemen, there's such freedom. I know what I feel today, but I know who Jesus is. I know what somebody said to me, but I know who Jesus is. And I know what Jesus says about me. I know what people have said about my children, what people said about my spouse, what people have said about my past, what people have said about me in terms of my future. But I know who Jesus is. When I lie in in the darkness of the night and I close my eyes, I begin to remember my pain. I begin to remember trauma. I begin to remember the things that have happened to me and the things that have happened uh, because of me and the things that have have happened to me that were out of my realm of control. The The people that have hurt me, the leadership that has destroyed me, that this can be what I put on every single day. But Paul says, put on Christ. find your freedom in there you're no longer defined by what people have said you're defined by the work of the spirit of God in you it's because of Jesus this is the Jesus of Christmas Jesus didn't come for us to have a nice little celebration in December by the way he wasn't born in December 
He came to redeem us. He said, oh, we don't have to be a slave to anything, but we can live free in Jesus. And do you struggle with your freedoms? I do. Do you struggle with temptation? Do you guys still go through temptation? Is anybody human in this house? Even Jesus went through temptation. But Jesus lived out of a place where he knew who he was with the Father. And we know who we are in him. And this is the beauty that Jesus came to this earth to be like us. To pay a price so that we could be like him. offer and all it takes is not for you to tie to the church so that Pastor Dave can just offer you the forgiveness and, and, and the free life. You don't have to give anything. You don't have to attend thing. You don't have to sign into anything. All you have to do is to say yes to someone. His name is Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me?